we're obviously coming up on Thanksgiving. And, and when we get to Thanksgiving, we, we have a tendency to take a moment and thank God for what he's given to us or, or the excess that he's given to us. And sometimes I think we forget that God gives to us, but he gives to us more than what we need. And we're going to have to break some of that down because we are not at all in any way, shape, or form a prosperity gospel church. Allison and I moved here about a year ago. And when we moved here, we moved into a house. And, and when we moved into this house, there were boxes everywhere. For the first several days, we didn't know where our silverware was. Um, we had paper plates and plastic forks, and the church provided food for us. But y'all didn't just provide food. Somebody brought ribs one night. One of my favorite foods. Somebody brought giant amounts of chili. They brought food, not just enough to cover our absolute bare needs, but to give generously to us. And so then we had food to eat. We didn't have to concern ourselves with how do we find the areas that we need to cook in. People provided for us. So the point of that story is this. As we talk about God's generosity, do not think don't let your heart start to feel. Don't, don't lose track of reality. I am not saying that this church is not generous. It's easy for us to make presumptions that if we're talking about a topic, uh, my kids do this all the time, I say somebody needs to pick up the whatever. I already did my part. I'm not talking to you. Then I'm obviously talking to one of your siblings because you already did what you were supposed to. We presume that something is meant to be directed at us in a negative way. That is not meant in this case. Not at all. Well, not totally not at all. As people, we do need to learn how to be more generous. But not just to be generous, but to reflect God's generosity to his people through us to his people. Psalm chapter 104 gives a strange text in which to look at God's generosity. So we're going to read this, and you need to think about what's going on. Listen to the picture that's being painted, right? This is a psalm. It's a poem. It's, it's figurative in nature. Listen to the picture that's being painted in this passage. Psalm chapter 104 Verses 10 to 18. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkey quenches its thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They, sw they sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and the plants for man to cultivate. 
that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of men, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted, in them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. Like I said, that's a strange text, potentially, to be looking at the generosity of God. But as, as the psalmist depicts what God has done amongst everything on earth, from the animals to the plants to the mountains to the people, they're all given more than they need. And they're taken care of particularly and specifically by God's design. So now what we see here is not just all of these creatures existing, but God abundantly taking care of these people, these plants, these mountains, these trees, these birds, these animals. That's the kind of general generosity that God shows. Uh, this is sometimes referred to as common grace. It's a common, generally given out thing. It's not what saves us, but it's an opportunity for us to see the character of God. That's what half of Romans 1 is about, that we are broken and yet we can see God in who he is and what he's done. And here we see God in his care for people, his care for animals. More than that, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 to 45, we read this. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Sorry, I started at the wrong verse. Verses 44 to 45 I should be able to read 4.4 4 means 44 and 4.5 means 45. I missed that. Let's start over. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Maybe I should have just started in 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Back to that same picture out of Psalm 104. This is not God just sending rain on the people who are nice and good and, whom, who, and who have put their trust in him. This is God sending rain for people who don't deserve it. This is God caring for people who don't deserve it. So he's not just, just barely taking care of those who are good to him. He is actually taking care of everyone. I don't know about you. It's a lot easier for me to be generous to people who have already been generous to me. Somebody agreed. <laughs> but that's not really the picture that's painted here. We're not given a picture of do unto others as they have done to you. My kids, my, kids uh, my friends misquote that verse all the time or misuse the ideas. Well, that's how they treated me. It doesn't matter how they treated you. It says to treat them the way you wish they had treated you, right? That's the kind of generosity that we see. 
so God is generous to, to the caring for animals and plants and the generalities of life, the generalities of the world, back to Psalm chapter 100. And if you, if you don't have all these uh, verses easily accessible, you can follow the QR code in the bulletin. It will take you to all the list of the scriptures that we're using to follow a QR code. You take your camera, you point it at, on your phone, and you point it at the QR code. It'll pop up a little link. Click on the link. It'll take you there. Otherwise, you can use one of these handy-dandy Bibles that we've had for years and look it up that way. Psalm chapter 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. So if Psalm 104 is about God's general goodness to the world, Psalm 100 is about his particular goodness to his people. Not only is God good to the world, he's good to his people. This is particularly looking at Israel at this point in time but his steadfast love to a people who don't deserve it, his faithfulness to an unfaithful people is the expression of his generosity because he doesn't just give them just enough for them to make it through to barely survive. He gives them what they need to have his love consistently, his faithfulness without end. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, Verse 26. Matthew 6, 26 says this. So we've already looked at the animals component, right? Now Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? So, so we've established that God takes care of the world and the animals and the plants and the trees and the mountains and, and in general, the people there. Now we've looked at God taking care of his particular people and now Jesus is talking to the Israelites, the people of God in this case. And he says, are you not of more value than all these other things God is taking care of? I like to golf. Unfortunately, golf isn't happening anymore. But in golf, there are a variety of very expensive things that you use. Your, your clubs, in this case. And then there are less expensive things, golf balls, unless you lose a lot of them, then they're just as expensive. And then there's even less expensive things called tees. And tees cost a certain amount of money, or just look for them on the tee box. People leave them around all the time. You know why? Because they're not very valuable. I'm not saying I've never found somebody's golf club on the tee box, because I have. But the number of golf clubs that I've found left on the tee box versus the number of tees that I've found left on the tee box, there's a lot more tees than clubs. Why? Because the tees aren't very valuable. And so if I'm going to take care, in this case, using the analogy Jesus is using, if I'm going to take care to take care of my tea, don't you think I'm also going to take care of my golf club? It's way more valuable than the tea that costs 50 cents. God takes care of the animals. Doesn't, 
that tell you that he's going to take care of you? And not just in the way that's barely enough to sort of get you through, but the kind that is, he clothes the birds. They don't have to worry about it. They have enough. And then he gives more to them and cares for them. And then he loves us more and cares more about us. Now, again, we are not a prosperity gospel church. Ephesians chapter four. So first you have God being generous to the world in caring for it. Then you see God being generous to his people, particularly his people of Israel. And now where are we? Now Ephesians chapter four, verses 20 and 21 And by chapter four, I mean chapter three. This has been a long morning. It's all right. Have a laugh at my expense. I'll just cry when I go home. Silly me. Now to him who is able, chapter three, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Now to him who is able to accomplish all of the things that you ask. Is that what it said? Now to him who who is probably more capable than you think. Is that what he said? Now to him, to God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, ridiculously more than you can even imagine. To him be glory and honor. There have been moments in time that I've watched people walk through things that should not be able to happen. I don't mean walking through a wall, but walking through events in life where the resources that they need to accomplish what they sense God calling them to do are not available. It's not that they're a little bit not available. They are absurdly unavailable. George and I had this conversation earlier this week. I'm not particularly talking about him, though he would fit in this category or the events that he's gone through would. And when God has called people into those moments to do something that is beyond them, he proves that he can do far more abundantly than anything you could imagine. So here's the admonishing part of the morning. Admonishing means hopefully gently correcting. We have a tendency to ask a really bad, well-intentioned question in this church and in basically every church I've been at. And that question is, we look at the budget and we say, can we afford this? And that, friends, is the wrong question. The right question is, is this what God's calling us to do? Because if it is what God is calling us to do, then he will provide what is needed to accomplish what he's called us to do. Why? Because he's generous to us. That doesn't mean that he's going to give us more than what we need. He might give us the exact amount that we need. 
or he might show us that we were wrong. It wasn't what he was calling us to do or that he's going to glorify himself in a different way. But the question that we have to always ask is not, can we afford something? That puts the onus, the responsibility, the focus on us. But is this what, is, what God is calling us to do? Because God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we imagine he could do. No matter how strong we think he is, he's stronger. No matter how big we think he is, he's bigger. No matter how much we think he has, he has more. And he will at times, not always, but at times call us to do things that do not make human sense. Because he wants us to recognize that he is the one who receives the glory. We're not always going to get all the things that we want. That's good, actually. Uh, But when we look at this, we have a tendency, a possibility, a temptation to say, well then, if God will do more, I'll just take everything he's got. Or a tendency to not really believe this verse. Let's jump back and and look at uh, Jesus talking to his disciples uh, to give us a little picture of what this really looks like in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it, what? Abundantly. How are we supposed to have abundantly fulfilled or abundant life on this earth? Well, there's only one answer. We need to be rich and famous, right? That's how we have an abundant life. I actually used a quote from Jim Carrey, the great theologian Jim Carrey. I spoke at Crew this last week, and we, we pulled up a picture of Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey said, I hope everybody gets rich and famous and gets everything they ever wanted so they can realize that that's not the answer. Man, he's actually right. Maybe not often, but there. When Jesus said that he's going to give us abundant life, he did not mean wealthy. But a life that that is filled with life, that is filled with him, a life that Romans 8 says we're no longer under condemnation, we're no longer under the thumb of sin. We don't have to give in to it. We can follow him. In fact, if we jump to Acts chapter 3, if you ever start to get the picture that maybe you should have money in order to have this abundant life that Christ offers, read Acts chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. And Peter, so this is Peter and John going into the temple. They see a, a guy who's begging money, and he says, give me some money, please. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, he being the beggar, fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, as in money. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. How wealthy is this guy? Apparently not hugely. He had no silver or gold, but what he did have, he gave to him, and he healed him through the power of the Spirit to this person. Back to Matthew chapter 17, 
verses, verse 27 Jesus said, however, do not give offense to them, people who had been uh, trying to, to disrespect Jesus. Go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself to pay their taxes. How much money did Jesus have? Enough that he needed a fish to give him money to pay taxes. Point being, the abundant, generous life of God may not result in money on earth. It may not result in fame on earth. It may not result in having enough to give away my desire. If I could, if I could just snap my fingers and make something happen. I used to tell Allison I wanted to be a dentist so that I could make enough money to start a a ministry of sorts, wherever it was that we lived, where I would offer to pay for people to go golfing with me. The only catch was they had to go golfing and then have lunch with me. They're stuck with me for six hours. And I could share whatever I want to with them. God didn't open that door. I thought it would have been fun. He said no. But I would, I've always wanted to have enough so that I could give to somebody else who needed that's a good desire. It's a good thing to want to be generous to other people. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. That's not in any way saying, hey, look at me, I'm so great. It's, it's not it at all. But when we recognize the generosity that God has been, with which God has been generous to us, we usually want to give it away to somebody else, to at least some level. Why? Because we know how it felt when God was generous with us. But, but we don't always have that much. Now, looking at a couple of things really quickly, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 uh, talks about, well, it says this. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Whatever need that you have, God will supply if Paul had wanted to say every financial need that you have, God will supply, could he have said that? Yes. But he left it open-ended. Whatever need that you have, God will supply. How will he supply it? I don't know. To what level will he supply it? To whatever level he chooses. It comes out of the context of being content. A greatly used verse Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, usually used by athletes as they're getting paid money to go play a sport, and they could do all things through Christ who strengthens them. That is not what it means. I'm not saying that's a totally wrong use, but the context is in being content. Hey, I, Peter, Paul says, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have little. I can, I can be content in all circumstances because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So even if I lose, even if I don't have enough money, even if I can't afford, even if things don't work out, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. So we do not lose heart. And this is a picture of, of us as people. 
right? God has been generous to the world. God has been generous to his people. God has been generous to us as his specific people in giving us Christ. Christ has given us life. He's given it abundantly. And now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're, they're fleeting, they're going away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So what if as a believer in Jesus, what you need is food or to be healed from an ailment, an illness, a cancer, a brokenness? What if as a Christian, what you need is stuff like that that you don't get? The easy theological answer is to say, well, don't worry about it, you're going to heaven and that's where everything's fixed. True, but insufficient. Because in this moment, we still feel the weight of the brokenness on us. So what do we do with the generosity of God sitting there? What do we do when people are in those places? We give. What do we give? A variety of things. You can give of the time that you have. You can give of the talents that you have. You can give of the money that you have. You can give of anything that you've got that you can give to somebody else. Thinking of giving of our time, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says to bear one another's burdens. Help carry a load for somebody else. Why? Because they need help and God has been enough generous with you to give you the time that you need to do that. Based on what the Gilbertson family has said, they felt that from this church, from this body of people in the last weeks and months, particularly in the last weeks and months. Seeing people help bear this burden with them, giving of our talents, we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, we see that we are to use our gifts to build up one another, to benefit one another, to serve one another. Whatever talent God has given to us, whether it's music or whether it's helping, whether it's leading classes, whether it's encouragement, whatever gift God has given to you, use that for the building of his kingdom. Those two cost no money. Along with those in, in the looking at things that cost no money, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, pray for one another. Romans 12, 13, be hospitable. Open your home to people. Why? So that they can feel loved and cared for in that moment by you and it costs you no money. But there's also a generosity that does use money. That's a generosity that comes out in a variety of ways. 
One of the ways that generosity comes out is by taking our money, giving it to God, particularly through the local church or through other ministries as well, and saying, this money was given to me by God, and now I'm giving a portion back so that he can use it to build his kingdom in ways that I wouldn't know how to do. That's why we're having this benevolence offering after the service. So you'll see some guys out there with silver plates, right? They're silver. If it's not a silver plate, don't give them money, okay? (laughs) They'll be back there with silver plates. You can put money in there if you would like. And that fund will be used to help people within this body who need help. Maybe you've never been there. Maybe you have. Where, you know what? I'm making the best choices that I can and I am out of money. What do I do? You let the body of Bethel come alongside you and as a family care for you. So we could continue to, to put funds in that from our general fund or we could, we could use other things or we could just let the amount that's been coming in come in. But there's a lot of people who don't know what the Sunshine Fund is. And what we want is not to build up this fund to giant grand status. We want to give this family of people an opportunity to give the, of what God has given to them, to give extra of what God has given to them because when people need help, you might not know. Or if you do know, you can let one of us know so that we can use the fund to help them. That's the purpose of the Sunshine Fund. That's the purpose of the generosity is to care for one another. It's not to get an attaboy. It's not to get a pat on the back. It is to care for each other. Because God has been generous to us, so we must be generous to the people around us. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse nine is a good reminder for us. But as it is written. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. When is that? It's not today. It's not even in Marquette on any day. It's not in Michigan on any day. It's not in the United States on any day. It's in heaven, in the presence of God. So if you make it to heaven and you've got no money left, well done. If you make it to heaven and you do have money left, well done. Because the point is heaven and Jesus, not bank accounts. God has been generous with you. He calls us to be cheerful in our giving to him. God has been generous to you. Be generous to others. If you have money to be generous with, be generous with your money. If you have time to be generous with, be generous with your time. If you have talents to be generous with, be generous with your talents. And if you say you have no money, I guarantee you have time and you have talents. It's just a question of prioritization. Now, really, really, really quickly, do not miss this fact. Husbands, men, do not forsake your family in order to be generous only to other people. Also, don't forsake being generous to other people to only prioritize your family. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit as he guides you in this process so that we will follow him, not our plans, because he 
We must be generous to others. Why? Because God is generous to us. Who is God? God is generous. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the love that you've given to us, for the opportunity that we have to follow you, to know you, to be like you, to honor you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've continued to give to us. We pray that we would be a generous people to your people. For you are generous to us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.